This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. You're listening to 3 and 30 Takeaways for Moms, episode 56, How to Raise a Polite Teenager. Welcome to 3 and 30, a podcast for moms who want to create more meaning in motherhood. Each 30-minute episode will feature three doable takeaways for you to try at home with your family this week. I'm your host, Rachel Nielsen. Thank you so much for being here. In the era of the smartphone that we're living in, I know many moms are concerned that kids aren't going to know basic manners and etiquette, common courtesy, conversation skills. Are kids going to know how to look people in the eye and talk with them and genuinely show other people through our body language and words that we care about them? This is a very valid concern of all mothers, but I do think that there's so much that we as moms can do to teach our kids these important skills. First of all, obviously, with modeling and the way that we conduct ourselves and treat other people, but secondly, also through explicit teaching of these principles of courtesy and etiquette and how to have a conversation. And this is perhaps more important now than ever because of the smartphone epidemic in our country. And we have a guest on the podcast today who is going to teach us how to teach our kids how to have truly genuine manners and consideration for the people around us. Her name is Devin Wellington. She's a developmental psychologist who's worked in education and policy research to help support kids in special ed. And she also runs a cotillion business in the D.C. area where she and her husband teach teenagers social etiquette. And she teach, they teach about 500 teenagers a year about etiquette and manners. So we're so lucky to have her on today. Devin, welcome to 3 and 30. Thank you. I'm so excited to be here on your podcast. Well, I'm so excited to have you. I was so excited when you reached out to me and kind of told me your background. It's very unique to have this background with with you being a developmental psychologist and you run a cotillion. It seems really like a unique mix to me. So tell us kind of how those two worlds collide for you and how you do actually see them going together instead of being totally separate parts of your life. Sure, of course. So I was getting my master's degree as my husband and I were starting to take over this family business. So his mom actually ran the company for over 20 years and is now in its 25th year. And so as I was getting my degree and as we were starting to really get involved in this cotillion experience and this cotillion business, I started seeing so many parallels because especially in adolescent brain development, there's so much happening in the brain. It's actually one of my favorite times in our brain development because there's so much opportunity, right? We know that the prefrontal cortex, which is largely responsible for our decision-making, 
isn't fully formed until we are in our 20s. But these habits that we are building are actually neurologically hardwired in, whether good or bad. Let's get these good habits hardwired in now, especially in these adolescent years, and they'll be in there forever. That to me, I saw a really unique opportunity with the the group of kids that we work, the age group that we work with, to really capitalize on this time in their brain development. These things apply to younger kids. Of course, it's never too early to teach someone have manners and to be kind to other people. But I think it's especially important in those adolescent years to really kind of hammer that home. Yes, I love that. And something else that I loved um, was, so I don't know how many people listening will have heard of Cotillion, but I I had heard of it. And um, you said that sometimes there's a common misconception with Cotillion that you're just teaching like kind of silly, like things, things that don't matter anymore, like old fashioned dance, things like that, or that it's just for the elite, you know, that they're, what was you said in the email, you said, teaching kids to be entitled, and that you were like, Oh, absolutely not. So tell us your tell us your thoughts on what Cotillion teaches. So yeah, our philosophy is really that Cotillion is not teaching you how to become better than anyone. It's teaching you how to become better for everyone. So once you have that knowledge, you have a responsibility to the people around you to show them that kindness and respect, right? Mm -hmm. We tell our Cotillion kids all the time, if you use the right fork and you are still unkind to the people around you, that is still bad manners, right? Manners are a byproduct of good character. When you have good character, you will want to treat other people with respect because you will see their worth and value. And that is a perfect lead in to our discussion that we're going to have today about things that we as moms can teach our kids and our tweens and our adolescents, like you were saying, in that formative time of their life, we can explicitly teach them how to have good manners, genuine good manners and treat other people well. And so tell us, just let's just start with your first takeaway of what we need to teach our kids. Sure. So the first takeaway is how to show appreciation. So in our program, we teach our kids that they should always say thank you plus one. Now, thank you plus one means you say thank you and then you say something else that is specific and targeted to show appreciation to the person that you're talking to. So you might go to a friend's house and you could say, thank you. I really enjoyed the dinner. It was really great. Or thank you. Your game room is so fun. Or thank you for having us over. I know it probably took a lot of effort and I'm sure you're really busy, but I really appreciated spending time in your home. So just a thank you plus something extra. And that also teaches you that you should be aware of the people around you and noticing that the work that they're doing and the efforts that they're doing on your behalf while you're with them. So that you can not only, of course, say thank you plus one, but like you said, so you can have genuine good manners and appreciation for the people around you. And it doesn't have to be a huge thing, but it just is something nice to show them that you are appreciative of what they have done for you and the courtesies that they have extended to you. Hmm. Yes, definitely. And this this takeaway speaks to my like words of affirmation soul <laughs> because I love words of affirmation, especially specific things. Like that really means a lot to me when somebody doesn't just say thank you, but they say something specific. And I think that is a great tangible tool to teach our teenagers. While you're there, just look around and be aware of the cool things going on and then and then say thank you for something specific. I mean, a lot of teenagers might not even think to say thank you at all. So I think teaching them to say thank you and then in this way is really impactful. 
right? And this is something also, like you said at the beginning, it's all about modeling and it's all about practicing. So this is something that you can model in your home and this is something that you can specifically practice in your home, right? So this is not a natural thing. It does take practice sometimes. So as our kids leave, like I said, when they leave class, they say thank you plus one. And if they don't get it right the first time, I have them try it again. We want them to really get comfortable saying these things. And so it is okay to have it you know, be something that you practice. And also as, as like a parent is a super great self-esteem booster, right? And it is a great time for your kids to recognize the things that you do for them. So maybe after dinner, you want to include this, you know, thank you plus one, you could have them say thank you, I really enjoyed something specific about dinner. Not only does that make you feel good, but it does help them recognize the effort that you put into it. Yes, absolutely. And I feel like this would be a great tactic for writing a thank you note as well. Because so often you just get those little generic, like, thanks for the wedding gift, which is nice that they take the time to do that. But when they're specific, thank you for this. Something that I tried to do in the thank you notes I wrote for my wedding was not really adding the plus one about the gift itself, but the plus one about the person and the relationship. So Thank you for the beautiful bowl. And I want you to know what an impact you've had on my life as my teacher or whatever it might be. Because that's really what what you're thanking people for. Absolutely. Absolutely. And sometimes you might not know a person well enough to say something like that. So we teach with thank you notes. You should say, you know, thank you. Be specific about what you got. So thank you for X. And then this is how I plan to use it. Mm, Yes, I love that. So this is thank you. And and to show my appreciation for this gift, I'm actually going to utilize what you have given me. And this is how. Mm -hmm. That is wonderful. And I love that you're teaching them to write thank you notes because (laughs) that's becoming a lost art as well. Writing a thank you note. And from your psychologist background, what are the benefits to our teenagers to learn to express gratitude? Sure. Yeah, there are like a million and one benefits of showing gratitude. So things like better sleep, lower levels of anxiety and depression, higher levels of activity in that hypothalamus, which is the center in your brain that controls bodily functions, eating, drinking, sleeping, metabolism, stress levels, all of these things. Feelings of gratitude directly activate the brain region that is associated with dopamine. So that's the reward neurotransmitter. So when we do something that um, releases dopamine, we are more likely to do it again. So really showing gratitude and feeling grateful for something can actually engage your brain in this virtuous cycle, right? So they, sh- they have shown that doing an act of service, for example, can sort of up your dopamine output by about 25%. That's a 25% increase, a little boost and feeling good. And when you do that, there's actually something called the happiness trifecta. And that is when Mm -hmm. dopamine and serotonin and oxytocin work together in your brain. And when that happens, we can't help but feel happy neurologically. To back up a little bit, dopamine is responsible for feeling reward, um, happy. It also motivates us to engage in that behavior again. Um, Serotonin is responsible for things like sleep and digestion and learning and memory. And oxytocin is what is people refer to as the cuddle hormone. So it helps us bond to people, helps us trust them, helps us increase our feelings of empathy towards them. And so when all of those three chemicals are secreted, when we serve others and when we show that gratitude and we show that appreciation, it helps us to want to do that again. That is powerful stuff. Super powerful. To know the brain knowledge behind that, which none of us know. Most of us just know I feel good when I <laughs> when I serve or yeah. say thank you. Yes. Really interesting. Okay, so we taught them how to express appreciation. What else do we need to teach them as parents? 
So the second takeaway I wanted to talk about was how to give a proper introduction. Now, the things that I'm about to tell you, you might seem like everyone should know them or you already know them, but putting them all together and especially having a teenager or a child be able to do this makes a really great first impression. And research is showing that first impressions are incredibly important. So I'm going to talk through sort of the how to, and then I'll talk about the why. When you make an introduction, you should always have really good eye contact. You should be looking someone in their eye because that tells them, I want to see you. I want to be around you. You should have good posture. You should smile. All of this body language that communicates to people before you even meet them, how you feel about them and how you feel about yourself, right? So we have that smile, that eye contact, that good posture. You want to give a really nice, firm handshake. You don't want it to be too hard, right? You see sometimes like in movies, for example, people trying to show how strong they are by giving their handshake. And that really actually does not impress anyone <laughs> to try to squeeze their hand to death. But on the other side of that, you don't really want to give them, we call it like a limp fish handshake where you just <laughs> like floss, right? You don't want to do that either. Um, so just a nice, firm handshake. Um and then you want to speak up and use a clear voice. You don't want to make people have to ask you to repeat yourself and you don't want to mumble. Again, this is all about showing people that you care about meeting them and seeing them and that you want to be engaging with them. So eye contact, posture. Eye contact, good posture, smile, speak up, and a strong handshake. Okay, so those five things make mm -hmm. up a really good first impression. Mm-hmm, Exactly. All of these things, again, take practice. So you can practice them in your home. You can have your kids practice them when they're going to a practice or meeting a new coach or meeting a friend's parents, or you can clue their coaches and teachers into the saying, hey, this is something we're working on. So my, my child is going to shake your hand every time they come to practice or every time they come in the classroom. This is something that we want them to do and be focused on, right? You can sort of get people on your team with this. And I can't imagine someone saying that doesn't sound like something I want to be involved in. This is something that's really easy to get people on board with, um, especially with, you know, friends, their parents, or anytime a guest comes into your home, you know, it doesn't necessarily mean that you have to do the whole like, hi, my name is nice to meet you. <laughs> but you can say, you know, do a nice firm handshake, smile, good eye contact, that good posture, all of those things we talked about and say, I'm so happy to see you. It's great to see you. Thank you for coming to my home. Thank you for allowing me into your home. Yeah, that's beautiful. I, I have a really clear memory and special memory of my mom teaching me. Um, I think she just noticed that when a new adult would come into a situation and they'd say, oh, hi, Rachel, or my mom would say, this is my daughter, Rachel, and they'd say, hi, Rachel, it's nice to meet you. I would just kind of look away or look down. I didn't know what to say. I was kind of shy. And I remember my mom after one of those situations, like she waited till after, obviously, she didn't want to embarrass me. And she said, Rachel, when an adult says that, all you have to do is look them in the eye and say, it's nice to meet you too. Right. And she empowered me to know what to do. And so now, literally, almost every time that I say that phrase, I think of my mom and that I'm grateful that she gave me that tool that made me feel much more in control in social situations. And I felt confident I could see in the adult's face that they were like, wow, you know. And so that made me feel confident that I was making yes. a good impression on people. I love that. And, you know, I'm so happy you brought that up because it does allow you to feel empowered to go into a new social situation. So I actually went to graduate school 
with a young man who had some self-proclaimed social anxiety, right? And he had been through Cotillion before and he says, you know what? I don't remember everything that I learned, but I do remember how to do a proper introduction. And that was enough for me to try for things I otherwise wouldn't have been able to do. So coming to a grad school interview, I wouldn't have been able to do unless I knew how to do a proper introduction. And that was enough for me to get through the door so that I could try for things in my life. Hmm. which I think is so powerful. And people who are good at introductions, like you said, you just, you can see the look on people's faces when you have made a good introduction. And my husband is so good at this. We were in a restaurant one time (laughs) and the chef of the restaurant that we like follow, he has like been on the food network and we're like his total (laughs) groupies. He was there in the restaurant. I was being super creepy. That person that's like trying to take a picture of him without him noticing. And My husband just walks right up to him and says, hi, I'm David Wellington. I really enjoy your food. Mm. Of course, that's the way to handle the situation. (laughs) Instead of snapping a surreptitious selfie. (laughs) Yes, of course, that's how you should handle it. And he was so lovely about it. And actually, I even saw a mom recently at a library playtime actually did a really good job. I was watching this interaction because sometimes it feels a little awkward to introduce yourself to a stranger who also has a child who's kind of playing with your child, but kind of not. Oh, 100%. Right. And you're like, how do I? So she, I was watching this interaction where she asked the other parent there, you know, oh, what's your kid's name? And they, they responded. She said, oh, my, my kid's name is this. And by the way, my name is Julia. And then the other person was then free to introduce themselves. And I was like, that is the most beautiful interaction. Yeah. And, and I think we have all been in those situations where we either know an introduction should be made, either we should do it or someone else should be doing it on our behalf or recognize someone, but you don't remember their name or even worse, you totally know who they are, but they don't know who you are. So you feel really awkward about it. Like we've all been in these social situations where you're like, why don't I just say something? And it can take a lot of courage. So if it takes courage for us as adults, of course, it's hard for our kids. Yes, definitely. But giving them kind of these templates to use absolutely empowers them. And it may seem disingenuous to be like, well, follow these steps. And but it's not. It's really empowering them to do what they want to do anyway, which is yes. be considerate and warm and friendly, but they don't know how to do it. So what is the research behind this principle? I know you have your manners principle and then you have your psychological research behind it. Tell us more about it. Yes. So first impressions, we are finding more and more about the importance of first impressions. And really, we have a minimal amount of time to make that first impression on someone. So the research sort of varies on exactly how much time that is. But I can comfortably and conservatively say that within the first 10 seconds of meeting someone, they have started to, for lack of a better word, judge you. Now, this isn't in a bad way. It's just that we are all trying to make sense of the world. And so we put people in different categories and schemas in our brains to to try to figure out where they would fit. And then within the first minute of talking with someone, they will have determined whether or not they want to continue a relationship with you. Wow. Right? Which is not a lot of time. And so it's sort of jarring to think about this, that we, we have, it feels like not very much time. And of course, this is just a generality, right? Of course, you can change someone's mind of you. And I think especially we give that allowance to kids, right? So maybe a kid who was more shy when they were younger, who wasn't really great at communicating as they grow up, and we see them grow and change, I think we are much more likely to give them that allowance of, oh, this person has changed. And I think we hear that all the time where, oh, so-and-so grew up to be a really great kid, right? But it's always said with a little bit of surprise, right? Like, I was not expecting that of a person. 
And so these first impressions are really important because they get people on our side immediately. And research, they did this becoming a very um, almost, I wouldn't, I don't know if I'd say famous, but a very well-known study. And I'm sure you've heard of this as a teacher where they give two teachers a randomly assigned class and they tell one teacher, we gave you all the really star high achieving bright, academically gifted students. And they tell the other teacher, your class is going to be a little tough this year. We're so sorry. That's just how things shook out. Mm-hmm. When really there's no difference between the kids, they were randomly assigned. But by the end of the year, one has a class that's doing very well academically, very well behaviorally, may have become really high achievers, and the other ones are struggling. And that's just because they told the teacher something about them that wasn't even true. Wow. So your kid might be a really great kid. Maybe they're even a straight A student and it's the first day of school and they go in and they are excited to see a friend that they haven't seen in a long time. And they're sitting in the back of the class and they're talking when the teacher's talking, even though they're a great student, they wouldn't normally do that. They're just so excited. They can't contain it. And the teacher pegs them as a troublemaker. The teacher then treats them as a troublemaker and therefore they become a troublemaker in that class, right? We become people's first impressions of us. And that is really important to know. Yeah, especially I would assume as teenagers, we become people's first impressions of us. Yes, absolutely. Because I think as adults, we can recognize and, okay, I I left a negative first impression here. I need to adjust or I need to. But as a teenager, I think you do. You're much more likely to conform to what others think of you than to who you actually know you are. Absolutely. And I feel like as adults, we are so much better at articulating, hey, maybe you got off on the run, but I'd love to start this conversation over or let's try this again. I think as adults, we're a little bit more comfortable to say that. But even as adults, I will say that some research is showing that this bias really does persist over time in terms of, um, for example, with spouses. They have shown that even if you have been married to someone for 50 years, and even if that empirical data shows that that person has changed, their interests have changed, their personality might have changed, we don't see that in our spouse because they, anytime they do anything that sort of validates our opinion of them or our original idea of who they are as a core person, we take that in and we allow that to confirm in our brains this person that they are. And anytime they do anything contrary to that, we ignore it. Wow. So we don't really like to let people change that much. And so that's why these first impressions are so important is getting off on the right foot is really has a long term impact on your relationships. So would you advise you are a mother? I failed to mention Mm -hmm. that in your introduction. (laughs) You are a mother um, to a baby right now, but you know, she will grow up and there may be other children. (laughs) Would you tell your kids this and tell them to be careful? Like, on the first day of school, be on your best behavior? Like, would you give them that advice or or not? I mean, we don't want to put this crazy pressure on them, but I think practicing this in the home and making sure that this is something almost routine for them will help them be successful in doing that. I think it's okay to say, you know, today's a really important day for a lot of reasons, but we want to make sure that we're putting our best foot forward. I think that's an okay thing to say, but you do want this to become so routine that it's not something necessarily that they're thinking about. And we practice this, In our program, constantly, this is the very first thing kids do when they come into our class is they introduce themselves to me. Mm. And then throughout the class, they introduce themselves to each other. And then when they go home, we ask them to introduce themselves five times to five new people that month. Like we are constantly trying to have them reinforce this behavior. So it really is practice makes perfect. um, And it, it can become routine for us to do. 
I do think it's important to not teach them to make a false first impression. The worst kind of kid, my mom used to call him Eddie Haskells, which I, which I guess is a character on an old TV show. Yeah. Do you know what I'm talking about? Yeah. And like, they like pretend to be really like polite and good in front of adults, yes. but then they're naughty. Like, and, and adults can see through that too, usually. Absolutely. And so it's like, you don't want to raise Eddie Haskells. You want to teach them to be the person that they are all the time, right. but to be considerate all the time. Exactly. So that's the, yes, I'm so glad that you clarified that because the whole thing about making a first impression is not only about putting your best foot forward, but showing the other person, I respect you enough and your time enough to put effort into this interaction. Yeah. This is so interesting. I did not expect to spend that much time talking about introduction, but I loved, I wanted to dig in more to it. So that's awesome. Okay. So we still have our third takeaway to do. We don't have too much time left. So tell us what is our third thing that we can teach our kids to empower them to have good manners and courtesy? Sure. So the third thing that we want to teach our kids is how to be present where they are. So we like to say that this is to get into the spirit of the event. So if you're at an event or you're at a party, be there. Maybe you don't actually feel like being there. Maybe you don't really want to go, right? We have some kids, believe it or not, who don't want to come to a course that teaches you good manners as a seventh (laughs) grader, right? I can't imagine. Um, This is something that their parents have asked them to do. And it makes such a big difference. And we can tell 100% when someone is making a conscious choice to be like, well, I'm here. I might as well get the best out of it as opposed to I'm choosing to be miserable in this moment and I'm not going to have fun no matter what. Hmm. And especially in this era of cell phones and smartphones and screens, it's so important to figure out how to be present and to really enjoy where you are. And this is true of like a kid going to a birthday party, right? You would never want to go to a birthday party and hang out in the basement playing video games while everyone else is doing party games. Not only does that not show appreciation and respect to the person that has put on so much work trying to get you to this event and to have fun at this event, well, why are you even there? What's the point? You know, if you're going to be there, be there. And that kind of speaks to this idea of mindfulness, which is huge in the world of psychology right now and with really good reason. But we do know that if you, if, even if you don't want to be somewhere, if you try to tell yourself like, okay, I'm going to be in, I'm going to be in the moment anyway, you will actually start having fun. You'll actually end up wanting to be there, right? It helps us cognitively to sort of realign our feelings and thoughts about something so that we actually do have a better time. Yes. I've definitely found that to be so true in my own life when I've just decided to invest in the relationships and to be where I am. I end up having a much richer experience than when I'm trying to sneak off and check Instagram or respond to business emails or whatever. It's like, just be where you are. Like you said, it really helps to improve not only our experience there, but it improves our relationships too, right? People want to be paid attention to. No one likes being ignored. And I I would say this is especially important for people who have kids who might be more prone to anxiety, right? So they say that anxiety lives in the future. And I think one of the reasons that we find kids hanging out together, but on their phones is because they feel like they're lacking in the ability to know how to be present, to know how to interact with the people around them. And they are so worried about the future, about missing out on something Hmm. that whether that's communicated via their phones or maybe worrying about how they're perceived in that moment or what people are going to say about them after really robs them of the ability to be present in the moment. Yeah. I think that that's another really important reason why we need to teach our kids to look up and look to see people around them. I feel like this episode has been mentioned over and over. New listeners, if you haven't listened to Dr. Katie Penry's episode, 
episode 23, she talks about how to stop looking at your phone and why it matters. And she talks about this idea of look up, the look up challenge. Go listen to that and maybe even have your teenagers listen to it with you and make this challenge together to look up and be more present in your real life instead of looking down. Absolutely. And I love something she said in that too, which was having your kids hold you accountable for why you're looking at your phone. Mm, I think that's such a great tip. And I think if we can comfortably do that within our own homes, they will be so much more aware of it outside of the home, what they're doing on their phones, how much they are or aren't paying attention to people and being present in the moment. So all of these things we really do have to practice at home. Yeah. Another podcast that I heard that wasn't on my show, it was on On Being with Krista Tippett. And I'll find it and link it in my show notes because it was an incredible episode. But um, she interviewed this man who'd worked in the inner cities. Oh, he was just so good. But he said something in there about um, be here now, which we hear, you know, we hear that phrase, be here now. But how the acronym of that here, be here now or be here with your ears now and I just loved that little twist there to think about hearing the people around you be here and listen to people now and that stayed with me when I'm tempted to be distracted and to be somewhere else when I'm in social situations absolutely and so much of this will go back to modeling if we're modeling this for our kids we can then say with confidence to them you need to be present where you are. You need to put down your phone. How can we really say that to them when they see us modeling something completely differently? So we have to be unified in what we say and what we do. Yes, which is always a challenge, right? As a parent, like don't eat cookies, but I really want some, right? Like that's always a challenge. <laughs> All these things that we talked about today can really be modeled in the home and they should be modeled in the home. And really your home is where your kids can fail safely. Mm. So if they don't get it perfectly, that's fine. Right. You just keep practicing and and knowing that at least you're trying to help them have the tools to to go out into the world and feel confident and successful in, in the person that they're articulating to other people and the person that they're showing to other people. Yeah. Well, this has been so helpful. I feel like this is going to be a, a very impactful episode for for moms and dads who are raising teenagers. Thank you so much for your time. And if people want to follow along with your work or hear more from you, where should they go to do that? Sure. Yes. Um, They can find me on Instagram. It's probably the best place, especially if you don't live in the DC area. My handle is etiquette and class. So it's sort of a play on, you know, we teach etiquette class, but we're also trying to help people be classier people. Yeah. And I will link that in my show notes. And sometimes I say that and I've heard people say, I I don't even know how to find show notes. If you're listening on a smartphone, just rub your finger up, you know, scroll up (laughs) and you'll see the show notes that'll have links to all these different things. Or you can always go to my website, which is three and 30 podcast.com and you'll see the show notes there as well. So we'll link your stuff there. And we're so grateful that we've had you on. Give us a quick recap of your three takeaways. Sure. The first takeaway is to um, is how to show proper appreciation so that thank you plus one, thank you plus something extra and targeted and specific to the person that you're talking to. The second takeaway is how to give a proper introduction. So again, that's the good eye contact, smile, strong handshake, good posture, and to speak up and be clear. And the third final takeaway is how to be present where you are. So really getting involved in the event and looking up at your phone and looking at the people around. Perfect. Thank you so much, Devin. I loved hearing your psychological background. And along with this cotillion piece, it's brilliant. We so appreciate having you on the podcast. Thank you so much. It's such a pleasure. 
As I recorded that episode with Devin, I had an idea of how you can apply it in your home. I think this is how I'm going to apply it in our home, even though my kids aren't even close to teenagers yet. I can start teaching them these principles now. And I think a really effective way to do that would to take would be to take her three takeaways and to devote a family night to each of her three takeaways. Um, we do family night every week on Monday night, but you could do it whenever you want And we just have a brief little lesson where we talk about like a character trait or value we want to work on with our kids or a spiritual lesson. But I was thinking how great it would be to just have one family night on how to show appreciation and teach the kids the thank you plus one and maybe practice that role play it and write a thank you note in that way. And then, you know, remind them all week to try it out. And then the next week, talk about how to make a proper introduction and practice that skill. And then the next week, talk about how to be present where you are and what that looks like and what it does not look like. So I think that's what I'll be doing with my kids. And I thought maybe some of you would want that idea as well. So grateful to all of you for being here. I would love for you to find me on Instagram at 3 and 30 podcast and let me know what you're learning from the podcast and just come say hi. I feel like that's the place that I get to communicate with listeners and I love it. Then you can also check out Devin's Instagram account as well while you are there. This is the time of year when so many of us are thinking about gratitude and I really am so grateful for you and I hope that you have a fantastic week with your family. I'm Stacy Toth. And I'm Dr. Sarah Ballantyne. And we'd like to invite you to come listen to our podcast, The Whole View. Each week, we follow the science for an in-depth answer to a listener-requested topic related to health and wellness. But we're not your typical health show. We're talking emotional and physical, looking at dozens of scientific studies to support our answers. You might be surprised what the science can tell us. When we share practical tips and embarrassing personal stories, we make sure no one is left thinking perfection is the goal. In fact, this one time at Bandcamp... Uh Uh, Not now, Stacey. Oh, right. Sorry. I was about to get on a soapbox again. The whole view is exactly that. A comprehensive and holistic look at important topics that likely resonate with you. We also take a body positive approach. And instead of engaging in diet culture, we focus on what the actual medical research says are the healthiest choices in terms of diet, lifestyle, and non-toxic living. And we're not afraid to bust myths that are trending in health conscious communities. Join us to laugh and learn and just feel like you're hanging out with your two nerdiest besties. Check out the Whole View podcast wherever you listen. And don't forget to subscribe so you never miss an episode.